welcome back to Weird on the Rocks. This is a podcast that explores the weird, unusual, strange, and unexplained, all while getting our drink on. I'm your host, Katie. Today, I'm going to be talking about something that I have always found really interesting, and that is people and children specifically who say that they can remember their past lives. Now, I'm not sure what happens when we die. I I really don't think anyone on this earth truly knows with 100% certainty what happens when our bodies die. Many people are part of specific religions, and each religion seems to have their own beliefs in regards to the afterlife. Some believe that nothing happens, that it's like a light that goes out and that's it. Some believe we either go to heaven or hell, depending on the life we lived on this earth. Some believe that we move on to a different dimension or reality somehow, and some, including those who are followers of Buddhism or Hinduism, believe that death is just the beginning of a new life and that we are reborn every time we die. I think the idea of death and what happens is something very personal and private and something that a lot of people don't really want to think about or acknowledge that we have a set time on this earth, perhaps. I think there are many people who believe something because it's how they were raised or what their family or society or culture says, and they don't take the time to really critically think about it on their own and see what death really means to them. I know there's also sort of a stigma around talking about these types of things, and a lot of people have very strong opinions on what happens after death and believe that they really know the true answer and they don't appreciate other people questioning it. I've definitely been part of conversations with people close to me that they got kind of offended when I said that I don't know what happens after we die. So it can be a very touchy subject with certain people. The first time I ever really thought about what happens after we die and the possibility of reincarnation was when I was really young and my grandma talked to me a few times about what she believes to be some of her past lives. She says she has a memory of living in a cave during prehistoric times and that she was in labor. Several men and women were helping her, but she was bleeding a lot and she believes that she died giving birth. She also had a memory of being a black woman picking cotton in a field, and she remembers it being very hot. She said that her leg was hurting really bad, and it was painful to stand on, but that she knew she had to keep working because there was a man nearby that would beat her if she didn't do her work. I remember thinking my grandma was crazy, of course. I mean, this sounds insane. And I thought she just made it up. My grandma definitely loved to tell stories. But as I got older, I started to believe her more and more and think maybe there was something to these memories that she has. I'm still not entirely sure what I believe, but I think that leaving the door open for discussions is really important. And wondering what happens when we die is a natural curiosity that humans have been trying to figure out since the beginning of time. As always, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Weird on the Rocks podcast and my website, weirdontherocks.weebly.com. Please subscribe to the show in whatever app you're listening on right now, and rate and review the show on iTunes. Before we get into the good stuff today, I want to share this week's beverage of choice. Today, I was feeling kind of lazy, and we don't have much in the house, and I didn't want to go to the store and put together something 
complicated. So I'm just drinking vodka with some Spindrift. And Spindrift is a flavored sparkling water. It's kind of like LaCroix, but it's literally just sparkling water and fruit. So it's very natural. It's really refreshing and it tastes really good with vodka. You can add berries, lemon, lime, mint, cucumber. Um, you can get real fancy and creative with it. I just, like I said, feeling really lazy today. I'm still in my pajamas. <laughs> we get our Spindrift at Costco. I'm using the raspberry lime flavor today, but they also have a grapefruit and a lemon, and they're really good, really refreshing, really nice on a hot day. All right, well, let's get into it. Cheers, and let's get weird. So today I'm going to be sharing three different stories of young children who claim to remember their past lives. Some believe that children are better able to recall these memories simply because they are closer to the other side of life, but often begin to forget details as they grow older. There is something called past life regression that adults can do where you are actually hypnotized and supposedly can recall memories from your past life. I actually found a place local to me that offers this service and it's something I really want to try. I, I don't know if I believe in this at all, but I think it's really cool to think about and I would love to hear what I say when I'm hypnotized. I think that would probably be very entertaining. And of course, if I did this, you know I would share it on an episode. But for today, I'm going to stick to stories from children. The first story is that of a 10-year-old boy named Ryan from Oklahoma. His last name has been left out of the research I found, most likely to protect his identity because he's a minor. Ryan's mother, Cindy, said that from a very young age, Ryan would pretend to direct movies and plays in his bedroom, something she thought was a little odd for a three-year-old, but chalked it up to him having a big imagination. But Ryan soon started having night terrors and would wake up in the middle of the night screaming and clutching his chest. He told his mom he remembered having his heart explode when he was living in Hollywood. His mom was obviously confused and she said that she had never talked to her young son about Hollywood before. He even told her on one occasion that he remembers being someone else. His mom said in an interview with NBC News, I was raised in a Southern Baptist home. This isn't something we talked about. But she saw that her son needed to talk about it, and so she listened. Over the course of a few months, Ryan began to open up about his past. He said he had three children, but got very upset when he couldn't remember their names. He said he lived in a big white house with a swimming pool. He was married five times. He lived in Hollywood and was an actor but also remembers dancing on Broadway. He also remembered that the street he lived on started with rocks, but couldn't recall the whole name, and that on top of being an actor, he also helped other people become actors, and they had to change their names. He would often get upset and sad that he couldn't see his family, and asked his mom on numerous occasions to take him to Hollywood. Ryan's mom, Cindy, started to do some online research to help her son, but couldn't find anything with the random details that he was providing. She decided to buy some books about old Hollywood, hoping some of the photos might help Ryan remember more. 
As she was flipping through a book, she found a black and white photo of several men standing in a group talking on the set of a film, and Ryan stopped and pointed at a man and said, that's George. We did pictures together. Then he moved his finger to another man in the photo and said, that guy is me. The book didn't provide names for the actors in the photos, and his mother didn't recognize either of the men as well-known actors. She continued her research and found a psychiatry professor from the University of Virginia named Jim Tucker, who worked with children who remembered their past lives. Cindy wrote a letter to him and included the photo from the book. Tucker took the photo to a film archivist who confirmed that the first man in the photo was indeed named George, George Raft, and the man that Ryan that was claiming to be him was named Marty Martin. Tucker conducted some tests on Ryan, wanting to validate what he was saying and make sure it wasn't pushed on him by his parents. He showed Ryan four photos of women, one being Martin's last wife and three other random photos. Ryan pointed to Martin's wife and said she looked familiar. He also showed him four photos of men, and Ryan pointed to one and said, that's Senator Ives, who was a senator from New York and Martin had been friends with. After this, Dr. Tucker arranged a meeting with Martin's daughter, whom he had tracked down through local historians. Dr. Tucker says facing the family of a previous life can help children let go of the previous life and the associated distress, and that the children's memories have been validated, but they also see that things have changed. When Ryan sat down with Marty Martin's daughter, who was now an old woman, he looked to his mom and said, she got old. Why didn't she wait for me? Ryan told Martin's daughter what he remembered, and she was able to validate all of it. She said he was a film extra and did indeed dance on Broadway. He eventually left acting and became an agent, often creating stage names for people, which is why Ryan remembers helping other people act and changing their names. Martin's daughter also said that Ryan was right about the Rocks in the street name because Martin lived at 825 North Roxbury Drive in Beverly Hills. She was also able to supply a photo of Martin with Senator Ives and was able to tell Ryan the name of his children, which seemed to make him feel very relieved. After the meeting, Ryan said he was glad he talked to her, but he was ready to go home and he wanted to stay with his new family, not his old family. When asked about meeting Martin's daughter, Ryan said, same face, but she didn't wait on me. She changed. Her energy changed. I don't want to go back. I want to always keep this family. Dr. Tucker has worked with 2,500 children who claim to remember their past lives, and he said that people often come back because they died in distress or didn't get closure in their lives. Ryan says he thinks he came back because he didn't spend enough time with his family in his past life and worked too much and was stressed, which is most likely why Martin died at the age of 61 from a heart attack. Ryan's mother Cindy said that after meeting Martin's daughter, that Ryan talked less and less about his past life and that his night terrors completely stopped. The second story I'm going to share is also about a little boy, two-year-old James Leininger of Louisiana. James loved playing with toy airplanes and specifically liked to pretend that his plane was crashing and was on fire. When he was only 20 months old, his parents took him to a history museum and they had to pull him away from the airplane exhibit kicking and screaming. His father, Bruce, saw his son's fascination with the World War II planes and bought James a Navy Blue Angels videotape that James watched every day. He would pretend to crash his planes into the coffee table, leaving dozens of dents and scratches, and would yell, 
airplane crash on fire. Around the age of three, James started having horrible night terrors and would thrash around in bed, kicking his legs up, screaming, airplane crash on fire, little man can't get out. James's dad, Bruce, talked to him about his dreams, and James said that he had been a pilot and flew off a boat. His dad asked him the name of the boat, and he said, Natoma. His dad replied, that sounds Japanese, to which James said, no, it's American, angrily. He went on to say that he flew a plane called a Corsair, that his nickname was Little Man, and he had a friend on the boat named Jack Larson. Around this time, James also began signing his name on his artwork as James Three. His parents asked him why, and he said, because I'm James number three. His parents, Bruce and Andrea, were very confused about their son's behavior because they purposefully kept a very calm household and James had no exposure to violent or war movies. Bruce and Andrea are both very educated people with a love of history themselves and keep many books in the home. One day, Bruce and James were looking through a World War II book which showed a map of Iwo Jima and James pointed to it and said, Daddy, that's where my plane was shot down. Bruce knew he had to do something and began conducting his own online research. He worked for months trying to find anything that could validate his son's story. He found that there existed an aircraft carrier by the name of USS Natoma Bay, stationed in the Pacific Ocean during World War II. But he thought it might just be a coincidence and maybe James had heard that name somewhere. He continued his search and stumbled upon a website that referred to the Natoma Bay Association. He contacted a man named Leo Pyatt, who later said he was a radio man on an Avenger fighter plane with the VC-81 squadron. He asked Pyatt if there were any Corsairs flown on the Natoma Bay. Pyatt said, no, only Avengers and Wildcats. Bruce then asked him if he had flown any missions near Iwo Jima, and Pyatt said he had been part of 36 missions there. And finally came the real question about the existence of this Jack Larson. Pyatt said he knew Larson, but he never knew what happened to him. Bruce couldn't find anything on Jack Larson in any military records after his son mentioned the name. He searched every list he could from the U.S. National Archives on the men who died who were stationed on the Natoma Bay and all carriers during World War II. There were several Larsons who died, but no Jack Larson of the Natoma Bay. He searched for more than a year with nothing to show for it, and he was about to give up. In 2002, Bruce attended an Natoma Bay Association reunion and was finally able to get some of the answers he needed. He learned that 21 men lost their lives in the Natoma Bay. One of these men was Lieutenant James McCready Houston Jr. from the VC-81 Fighter Squadron, who was shot down at the age of 21 on a special strike mission in Futami Ko Harbor at Chichijima, according to Declassified Aircraft Action Reports. Houston had volunteered for the mission, the last mission he would have flown before returning back home to the United States. He was the only pilot from the Natoma Bay who was shot down at Chichijima. The name James Houston Jr. stuck out to Bruce because James had been signing his name James III. Bruce finally realized it was time to track down and speak to Jack Larson, who was found out to be alive and well in Arkansas. Bruce traveled to Arkansas to speak to Larson, and Larson said he couldn't remember what happened to Houston, but he was sure his plane had been hit by anti-aircraft fire on March 3, 1945, the day Houston failed to return from his mission and was then pronounced missing in action. 
However, Bruce still had doubts about his son's story and was secretly hoping that this was all an easily explained coincidence of sorts. After vigorously checking into the squadron's aircraft action records, he found out that Houston was shot down in an FM-2 Wildcat fighter plane, not a Corsair like James had said, and no one at the reunion mentioned anything about Corsairs taking off from the Natoma Bay ever. This detail actually relieved Bruce, but just to be sure, he contacted Anne Houston Barron, James Houston Jr.'s sister, who then lived in Los Gatos, California. Through several phone conversations, Bruce and Andrea and Miss Barron became friends, and she agreed to send Bruce photos of her brother during his military service. The photos arrived in March of 2003, and one of the packages was a photo of Houston standing in front of a Corsair fighter plane, the same kind of plane James had mentioned over and over, but that supposedly didn't fly off of Natoma Bay. It was then that Anne Houston, James Houston's sister, revealed that James was part of an elite special squadron, the VF-301 Devil's Disciples, from January to August of 1944, and that this squadron flew Corsairs, and that only 20 pilots were selected for this assignment. Bruce didn't tell Anne Barron, Houston's sister, about his son's supernatural story until later that fall, in October of 2003. When he finally did tell her about the possibility of her brother's spirit being part of James, she says she was stunned at first and had to let it all sink in. Then three weeks later, Bruce and Andrea received a letter from her, along with several of Houston's personal effects, and included was a letter that said not only did she think James should have these belongings, but that she believed his story. Anne Barron said, This child couldn't know the things he does. He just couldn't. So I believe he is somehow a part of my brother. These are the things you read about. There must be a reason for it, but I have no hint of what it could be. It's some phenomenon that I don't understand. It all happened nearly 60 years ago. There must be a reason. As Bruce uncovered more information about James Houston Jr. without telling James any of it, the Leiningers would notice more and more about their son's actions that stuck out as odd. James had three G.I. Joe dolls, and named them Leon, Walter, and Billy, names of three pilots who coincidentally served with Houston. According to U.S. Pacific Fleet Records, Lieutenant Leon Stevens Connor, Walter John Devlin, and Billy Rufus Peeler were among the 21 fatalities from the Natoma Bay. They were also members of the VC-81 Air Squadron with Houston. However, the question still remained about what happened to James Houston's plane. Jack Larson and others from the squadron said they didn't see it shot down, but knew something was wrong when Houston didn't return that evening. They searched the ocean for debris, but nothing was found. In June of 2003, an internet posting left by Bruce on the Natoma Bay Association website caught the attention of a veteran by the name of Jack Durham. Durham turned out to be a member of the VC-83 Torpedo Bomber Medium Squad from the USS Sergeant Bay, and had run parallel to Houston's squadron on the day he was shot down. Without a doubt, Durham says he saw Houston's plane shot down by anti-aircraft fire in Chichijima. And now all the details that James was recalling matched up with the life of James Houston Jr. Carol Bowman, a psychiatrist who had been working with James and specializes in metaphysical phenomenon, says children usually lose their abilities to remember past lives by the age of seven. She says, 
If a soul reincarnates with unfinished business or dies a traumatic death, these memories are more likely to carry over into another life. In James's case, he died a traumatic death as a young man. There was still much emotion and energy that may have propelled these memories forward. A part of James Houston's consciousness survived death and is now part of James Leiniger's soul consciousness. The present incarnation is not a carbon copy of the last, but instead contains aspects of James Houston's personality and experience. James Leiniger and his family were able to visit Chichijima, where James said he was able to get some closure. He said the nightmares went away, and over time, he has slowly lost the memories of his past life. In an interview with Fox and Friends in 2017, James was asked how he thinks he knew the information about James Houston, and he says it was just innate knowledge that he was born with. He said that he has been fully able to move on with his own life, but that he often thinks about James Houston Jr. So my last story for today is that of Luke Ruhlman from Cincinnati, Ohio. From a very young age, Luke would say things to his mom, Erica, like, when I was a girl, I had black hair. And when seeing people on the street would say, I used to wear earrings like that. Luke also began naming all of his dolls and figurines Pam, but the family didn't know anyone by that name. When his mom asked who Pam was, he said, I was. Well, I used to be, but I died and I went up to heaven. I saw God and eventually God pushed me back down and I was a baby and you named me Luke. This confused his mom, Erica, because they weren't a religious family and she had never discussed the concept of heaven or hell with her three-year-old son. Luke also began talking about how he used to take the train into Chicago and loved walking around the city, even though the family had never been there and didn't know anyone that lived in Chicago. One day they were watching TV and a clip from the Oklahoma City bombing came on. Luke got very upset and started crying and saying, I'm scared, turn it off. His mom turned it off and told him it wasn't real and that all those people didn't really die. And he said, but that's kind of how I died. My building didn't blow up though, it was on fire. At this point, Erica decided to do some research and Googled Chicago Fire Pam. She found an article about the Paxton Hotel fire that happened in 1993. The fire started at 4 a.m. when all the patrons were sleeping and it spread very quickly. The stairs were blocked and many people got trapped, some even jumping to their death. 19 people died, including a 30-year-old African-American woman named Pamela Robinson. Erica googled her name and found her obituary, which included a photo of Pam. Before showing the picture to Luke, she asked him what color Pam's skin was. And she says, he looked up at me like I was stupid and said, black. His parents then decided to do an experiment. They printed out the photo of Pam from her obituary and other photos of similar looking women from the same time and asked Luke which one was Pam. He immediately pointed to the photo of Pam and said, that's me. I remember taking this one. I was with my family and I didn't like my shirt. Pam's obituary also mentioned that she was a music lover and specifically was a huge Stevie Wonder fan. Luke's parents put on one of his songs and Luke immediately began to dance around and said, I love this song. All of these details combined made Luke's parents believe that he and Pam Robinson share the same soul and that Pam was reborn as their son. Pam Robinson's family has been contacted by several news outlets but declined to make a statement on the matter. 
All right, well, that's going to be it for today's episode. Like a lot of the topics I cover on this show, I don't know where I stand on this. Part of me wholeheartedly believes these children and wants to validate their memories. And part of me wonders if their parents are possibly feeding them information and created these stories to get money out of it or their 15 minutes of fame. Or maybe these children have had dreams that sparked their imagination and they are now getting their dreams confused with real memories. There have been several times in my life when I thought something happened or I remember going somewhere, having a specific experience, but my parents confirmed that it never happened and it was most likely a very vivid dream that felt real or perhaps a dream that was mixed in with a movie I saw when I was younger or a book I have read, and I created false memories. I think our brains can easily get jumbled and it's hard to separate what was a dream or what we read or saw on TV or in a movie and what is actually real and really happened to us. But no matter what, I think the idea of reincarnation is so interesting and kind of beautiful. I like to imagine that when we die, it isn't the end and that we have one more chance at being human maybe and chances to live different, rich and full lives with a variety of experiences. As always, I'm really curious to hear what you guys think. This is a topic I have always loved thinking about and talking about with others. As always, I'm really curious to hear what you guys think. This is something that I love talking about with my friends and loved ones. I love hearing the spectrum of people's opinions and beliefs on this. Do you guys believe these stories? Or do you think they're bullshit, basically, made up by these parents for whatever reason? And they're drilling this information into their kid's head, and the kids can't decipher what's real and what's not. Please let me know what you guys think. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Weird on the Rocks Podcast and my website weirdontherocks.weebly.com. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. And until next time, cheers and stay weird. <laughs>